My handle is Jonathan Blade. When I was a child in the long, long ago, positive media tropes for black people were not so different than they are now. Black characters could side with whomever had agency, but were rarely presented with agency themselves. It wasn't until the early 1980s with The Cosby Show that we saw the first significant media representation of black folks with self-determination living in a positive black community. In the cinema, this was realized towards the end of the decade with two Eddie Murphy films, Coming to America and Boomerang. Now these were all fine, but as a lifelong comic book fan, that wasn't where I was looking for my heroes. That's why the domestic release of the South African Shaka Zulu miniseries made my eyes twinkle. It was an epic tale of black exceptionalism in a semi-fantastic retelling of Shaka Zulu's rise to power through his force of will and his mighty thews. A dramatic, epic historical tale in which the focus was on the mesmerizingly charismatic Henry Sele as Shaka and black people who weren't American slaves interacting with other black people who weren't American slaves? Nobody that I knew was as enchanted as I was by this miniseries. They weren't ready. We're all ready now. Marvel's Black Panther, the first black superhero to be presented in comics and now the titular subject of Marvel's first 2018 tentpole film. Black Panther takes place shortly after the events of Marvel's Civil War. King T'Challa is about to ascend to the throne after the death of his father T'Chaka, but his father's legacy may serve to end T'Challa's reign before it starts. Now, spoilers, I really like this movie, but I loved the experience. There has simply never been anything like this on the big screen. Black Panther tells a fairly small story about intimate events, but tells it epically. This movie is a wonderful weekend diversion by itself, but it is so intrinsically bound to race by its unique nature that one cannot help but frame the discussion in those terms. And that is because the, the real star of this movie isn't any single one of the charming actors who are all glowing with pride even inside their characters. Rather, the star is the fictional African nation of Wakanda. Director Ryan Coogler's Wakanda provides all of the cultural perspective of this film. We, the audience, are Wakandans, and all other perspectives are presented as foreign. We are allowed to luxuriate in the trappings of the lives of the Wakandan nobles, and it is all presented in intimate tight frames. These are not the halls of Gondor, the looming spires of Asgard. Wakanda is home. While I really appreciate this take, I do wish that we could have gotten a deeper overview into the Wakanda of the people. To be fair though, this isn't their story. The noble class of Wakandans that populate this film create an ensemble piece in which many of the central players could be the star. Everyone's allowed to shine. Chadwick Boseman's cool confidence and Michael B. Jordan's brash rage are impressive, but they do not overshadow Denai Guerrero's adroit authority, Letitia Wright's puckish allure, or Lupita Nyong'o's steadfast resolve. These characters feel like family. And even in the slower parts of the second act, I was invested in what they might be thinking or feeling. It really is impressive that the core cast was allowed so much screen time to develop their individual roles. Now, despite the exotic trappings, these characters definitely inhabit a Marvel world. Perfectly timed quippy humor, bloodless violence, sexless romance, the precision use of action and emotional punctuation to re-engage the audience as the momentum metronomically ebbs and flows. There would be moments of both pomp and intimacy, driven by a uniquely African score of drums and voices, and then for me, 
jarring transitions to a more traditional, generic movie score to punctuate the more traditional and generic movie scenes. The disconnect here was also made more severe by the fact that some of the CGI looks really bad. Most of it's solid to passable, but there are enough scenes with substandard CGI that it bears mentioning. The visual spectacle doesn't undercut the themes. Black Panther is thematically kind of muddy, but big picture it's about how through political policies of isolationism and external austerity, a state can create its own enemies. T'Challa wants to continue to isolate Wakanda and keep it in traditional cultural stasis. Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger wants to take Wakanda's resources and aggressively use them to flip the table on the balance of the world's haves and have-nots, working under the fallacious idea that prosperity is a zero-sum game. Both characters are wrong, and the how of getting to a better political philosophy is intriguingly personal, but also mildly confusing. Any criticism that I have of this film, while valid, in the context of my personal experience is unimportant. Throughout the third act of the movie, I was fully engaged with a huge idiot's grin on my face, ecstatic with the realization of dreams that adult me never realized that I had ever had, and the unbridled joy of being able to share this experience and this moment with my son by my side. Now, I am not ashamed to say that this is a huge pop cultural moment for us, like Obama's inauguration or the Thriller album Big, but instead of shedding joyful tears or trying to moonwalk, we are saying... Wakanda forever. Avengers. The coming of Thanos was heralded in 2012's Marvel's The Avengers. In 2018's Avengers Infinity War, Thanos has arrived. Avengers Infinity War is part one of the climax of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. In scope, tone, and the fan credit upon which it is trading, it is a film that can only exist in an environment in which a successful, decade-long legacy of cinematic world-building exists. Most of the significant characters of the past decade are along for the ride, but they aren't the focus here. There aren't really any character arcs for our heroes, and a single, in some cases, perhaps two defining qualities are all these characters get. Instead, the focus of the film is Thanos and his machinations. He is a zealot, driven by a righteous mission that makes little sense, but we are allowed to feel the weight of his calling, and if not empathize, at least understand his motivations. Simultaneously ponderous and agile, the virtuoso juggling act only works because this is a simple adventure story with straightforward goals. Thanos is collecting the Infinity Stones, Thanos must be stopped from collecting the Infinity Stones. In my opinion, this is the correct focus for a film that would otherwise have 50 main characters, but the script doesn't lead hard enough into the idea that Thanos actually is the main character. Yes, we learn about him, his motivations, and even get to see his heart. By the by, Josh Brolin is doing real work as a CGI Thanos to create any amount of pathos for this... Cosmic Eichmann. But the film is still presented from the POV of the 50 as opposed to the POV of the 1. The film is less about his struggle to collect the stones than it is about the hero's struggle to stop him. I would have liked to have seen Thanos' generals, the Black Order, receive any development. I would have liked to have seen Thanos take Xandar, the gathering of his army, just more texture for the character that the movie audience knows the least about. 
This is more a matter of taste than a complaint. Finding ways to balance screen time and significance for multiple teams of characters in several locations and giving every major character a moment is a task that I doubt that any other film has ever attempted on this level. That this epic superhero Ten Commandments works is a testament to the skill of the directing team of the Russo brothers as both craftsmen and coordinators. The Ten Commandments is an appropriate comparison. The scope of what is being presented here is biblical and as visually ambitious as any spectacle film has ever been. There are moments, Thanos breaking the moon and throwing the pieces at his enemies, that nearly reach the kind of bombast to which comic book readers are well acclimated. There is a tsunami of spectacle, but for me, Infinity War never overreaches and never gets boring. A lot of the emotional heavy lifting only reaches its zenith if you are already invested, but it is played well enough that even the why did that character do that moment should still resonate for the uninitiated. To achieve those character beats, Avengers Infinity War employs the stock Marvel Cinematic Universe tool of slick humor, and as it has been in other films, the gags and bits are genuinely funny. Also, as it has been in some other MCU films, the gags and bits sometimes feel thematically inappropriate. Infinity War is about the pragmatic ambitions of a cosmic sociopath, but it is also a general audience movie, so the tonal balancing act acceptably comes with the price of mission. Because the focus is on the fight, though, the film is oddly depopulated. Infinity War is almost completely free of NPCs. You probably weren't an extra in this movie because, except for the Battle of Wakanda, the film is devoid of background characters. Avengers Infinity War isn't my favorite Marvel film, but it delivers on a promised novel experience in a way that no other film has, and so while others may have valid complaints about it being half a film, Although it isn't, if you consider it Thanos' movie, Avengers Infinity War is the current King Daddy of spectacle entertainment.